Hi, welcome to an episode of Fill Me In. I'm Kirk Liddell. And I'm Carl Danielson. And we're about to engage you and ourselves in meaningful, delightful, informative conversation about the theater and music and music theater from two people. Two very different people. Yes. Um, I'm a black kid from the, the Midwest. And I'm a 59-year-old white dude from California. I love that you said black kid. What? <laughs> this is Fill Me In. So what's our topic today, Kirk? Um, We will be talking about musicals and shows, I guess shows in general, right? That we've done 180 degrees on, which in my opinion, and then Carl, you can explain what you think of this, is um, shows that when they were initially presented to us, we were like, oh, that's not going to be a good musical or like, that's not going to be a good show. I don't think I want to see that. That doesn't sound like something that I would be like super interested in or invested in. And then we find our way to it somehow, like whether we see it live or we've seen a production or we've listened to the cast recording or we got to be a part of it and like our entire world shifted. All of a sudden, this piece of material is super important and we understand the nuance and the importance and why it's special to the musical theater and or like theater canon. That's my opinion on doing 180. What's yours? Well... It's interesting because I, I had a hard time thinking of 180s where you really go, because to me it means something you didn't like turned into something you did like. Um, and I don't know that I have a whole lot of 180s, but I certainly have things that I have strongly changed my mind about. And I think it's such an interesting thought because A, it illuminates our prejudices, which is kind of what you're talking about. Something you think, oh, I'm not going to like this. And then you have an experience with it and turns out that you do. So, so it does that. But I think there's also, those are the times we really learn something. We learn something about ourselves and we learn something about the, 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 the craft. I was trying to think of plays that I've done 180s on. I can't, I couldn't think of any, I could think of one author, but I can think of a ton of TV shows that I was like, uh, and my friends would say, no, you go back and you do that again. I still, no, you go back. I mean, West Wing. Do you know West Wing? I was going to say, yes. I was going to say, that's the infamous one. You like, when you said that to me, I was like, but everyone loves West Wing. So I don't really, and it feels like such a Carl show. So for you oh to have God, been like, hard. yeah, I was like, this makes total sense. What do you mean you don't like it? And so for you to have done a 180 on that is super important. Well, I've done a 180 on TV because TV, when I was growing up, was heinous. I mean, that's extreme, but <laughs> you can look back on a lot of those things and imagine getting that 20. I mean, there weren't, there weren't the options. There were three channels. Right. <laughs> and, you know, you know what some of the, imagine getting that, you know, even, even four hours a day. Yeah. That, no, that makes total sense to me. I like, we, I do think from a television standpoint, we reached a, we like, reached a gold like the golden age of tv maybe in like the mid-teens right like mid-teens to current like because there are so many <laughs> platforms to get shows on and people get to express how they feel and can say whatever they want and there's no like there's no there's not as much red tape i guess is the real explanation it's like there's less of it to have diverse interesting thought-provoking aggressive um also funny and joyous television programs right now. We have niche markets that yeah. are sizable enough that they will pay for the programs. Do you realize that during my lifetime, the population of the world has almost tripled? Oh, yeah. Look at what the population of the world was in 1961. And we're talking about it's around 3 billion. Give or take, it might be a little more. Wow. But still, I mean, that's, it blows the mind, right? Yeah. And, and the other thing I wanted to say about not only was the, 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 the TV in my youth not very good, and what does that mean? Not very nuanced. You know, the, the writing isn't necessarily, we're, we're, not, we're not looking to tell different stories. Um, but it didn't matter what episode you started on. And West Wing, I would argue, you really need to start from the beginning. 
Yes. And that, and that, and that did, did it for me yeah. on that. That's fair. And then I sometimes think we're just not in the mood. Right. And that's also valid. I think that, and the fact that we can kind of go back to things now too. Like if I don't have the, the capacity to take on something heavy, I know that I can go back to it later. That was like not really an option when you right. were a kid. Like that was like, if you missed it, you missed it. And you like had to hopefully hope that it ran on syndication and like what there was a rerun someday. But realistically, like now, if I don't have like today, I got up this morning, I missed Drag Race last night, but I woke up this morning. <laughs> and, uh, at 7am, I was like, here comes the Queens. Like I got to do it right now. I needed to know. I had to know. Well, because especially because if things got ruined for me throughout the day, I was going to be hot. So sick. It was 7am. And I said, turn it on. Let's do it. Our, our morning experiences are, are quite different because I'm still trying to forge my way and I'm almost there. Euphoria. Oh, uh, Carl, That's where are you? That's start. I'm, I'm almost there. What am I okay. on? Season, I'm on season two, but like okay. episode three. We've just gotten oh. to Oklahoma. Oh my God. Okay. You will have, have to, to unpack that when we yes. get to the end of That's the- a whole different Carl, when you get to episode five, I need you to like I kind of want you to <laughs> record yourself watching episode five because it's a whirlwind of an episode. Yeah. You like think you're gonna be able to breathe. And then they do something else and you're like, no, I'm still stressed. Cool, 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 cool. I, I actually think, yeah, you might need to. You need to They're very to confusing because I've been led to believe that Rue is dead. I've been led to believe a lot of things, right? Oh, so I'm yeah. waiting to have my the rug pulled out under my feet. So. Yep, it's going to happen. I think you need to tell Jaime to record <laughs> you. Well, I'm not kidding. I think you need to do that <laughs> for the... The pleasure of the world, I think that's something that needs to exist. So when you get to episode five, just have Jaime like put the camera on a stand and do it. It's been too much for him. He's he's put it aside. It it is too much. It's just it's all it is. I mean, it's an hour of I've I have been saying it's an hour of just like holding your breath and being like, Am are we gonna make it? Like you, but what's so what's so interesting to me is that these characters, and then we, I guess we can talk about things we didn't want to know. But these characters, there are so many reasons to not like them, and yet mm. I'm still magically rooting for all of them. Like, even oh god, even the Nate of it all, he is not, he is not a good person. But you can see like whatever trauma, that means. Yes, right. Whatever. Well, my version of what my definition of what a good person should be, I can recognize that he's not that initially. But there is so much trauma and build up back there that I'm like, oh my god, he's he is just working through it anyway. He knows how at this point, and you know, I don't Even know. The dad. Yeah. Oh my god, the dad is. That's you just. <sighs> I yeah, know I've seen, I've seen okay. his backstory. Okay. Okay. But... okay. But that backstory does help because that's pretty off that's the charge. Yeah, that changes so much about what yep, you know. Right. And so that's why that's why I watch it every week is because the because I'm still rooting for them even when I don't even when I think realistically if this was one of my friends in the real world, <laughs> I like don't know if I would have the same capacity to like grant them that the grace that I'm granting these characters right now but everyone is working their bums off too it's like some of the best acting on TV right yeah. now in my opinion they yeah. are committed it is opinionated it is focused it is driven it is like everything I want to see and they don't waste a minute of airtime. like I can't imagine what doesn't make the show because it <laughs> Every second is like important and you must be paying attention and it is focused and energized. I love it so much. God, I love it. I agree with all of that. I I wonder if I wonder if the majority of the art that we consume isn't that way. And maybe we're not maybe it's not as current and relevant for us to be able to appreciate all those little details that we see you can't take out. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I would argue that certainly the great stuff um, of the past that has lived, and I, now I'm talking about things like Shakespeare and the Greeks and, and stuff like that, um, that can seem long-winded. And maybe the, maybe some of those references just haven't come down through time. Yeah, we just, yeah, I, I would agree. Or with we that. haven't figured them out. <clears throat> right, or the, or they're not, this is going to sound really shady. They're not um, directed well enough that it, that it, is a that it's livable in current society. Oh, we're coming back to that because I agree a hundred percent. But let's get on the task at hand. Great, we can we can we can you know start that part. Yeah, that's fine with me. I think direction is something that's really worth talking about. And me too. You know, maybe we talk with um, some of our future guests about. That. <laughs> yes. Okay. Love- what's your first? What, what's your first show you did? One hundred and eighty on. Okay. So. Picture it. I'm gonna. This is how we're gonna start. This. Picture it. Great. I am a. I'm maybe 14 or 15, and I get on Playbill.com for maybe like the first time ever in my life, and there's an announcement that Shrek the Musical is coming to Broadway, and I said, "Huh? Who needs what? Greet." An ochre? Why? Why? Why do we need that? What's happening here, people? Like, not when, you know, I'm like, not when you we could be telling stories that are interesting and, and driven. I'm like, all of these things. At 15, I have all of these opinions about things that I know nothing about. But I'm like, this is a dumb idea. I don't understand why we need that. Fast forward to 2013? 13. And I get cast in Shrek the musical at a summer stock in my hometown. And I was like, this is going to be so dumb, but like, it's fine. Like, I will have a good time, I guess, whatever. What, what year did it open on Broadway? Do you remember? Oh gosh. I want to say that's the same year as next to normal. So. Nine. That sounds okay. So it's been out. Did you listen to it in that time? Oh, you just avoided it. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I was like, this is dumb. This is silly. Who needs this musical? I hate that. Well, then I get 2008, casted. December right. of 2008. Okay, right. so it's been out almost five years. Yeah. And you never like, listened to it. Avoided it. People were like, oh my God, you would be such a good donkey someday. I'm like, I don't want this energy. This is dumb. I hate this musical. Why do we wow. have it? Janine Tesori is an icon. And I'm like, but she wrote this. So like, it can, like, what's happening? I'm like, this is stupid. Well, I get cast in it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like okay, well, I, this will be Plain. a thing. I was, in the ens- I was in the ensemble. I was one of the three little pigs and I was the understudy for donkey. <laughs> I was the, which was so funny. My, the, we would have, we'll have to post this on our socials. The photo of the three little pigs is <laughs> me, which I am, I am for the viewers, out, for the listeners out there. I am all of five, four. Like I've, I'm not a tall human and that's okay. But the other is two. really your height? Yeah. I'm five, four. Wow. Yeah, I'm tiny. I'm a tiny, tiny human. Well, it's not that tiny, but it's shorter than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, it's not. I mean, you don't seem tiny to most of us. Thank I you. Would, I try I would, to yes. present big. But the <laughs> two other pigs both had to be six foot easily. Like six foot leggy white guys. So it's like this, it's like this funny like photo. I God, I will have to send it to you. It's just like tall, leggy white dudes. <laughs> And Kirk. And we're like dressed. I mean, like, look cute. Like, we're giving you Destiny's Piggies. Like, really, like, like glamorized dream girls, but in pig costumes. But even still, I was the tiniest person. Anyway, so I do the show. Cut to, um, cut to, like, the middle of the run. And I, or the middle of Tech Week. And I'm, like, listening to, um, Who'd I Be? And, like, and, like, uh, oh, what Shrek's other, like his ballad in the second act and was moved like to tears because it is so like lyrically, I don't know how Janine Tesori did it, but she managed to make this green character, this like green, larger than life human or ogre, not even a person, right? So believable and honest and like, like your heart mm. breaks for him because- you're like, oh, he just, he also just wants to be accepted, but he is, he's hiding behind like, well, I'm so told that I need to be a, like mean and scary because that's who I am. And so that's what, that's what I'm presenting to the world because the world has like 
yelled that at me for so long. And I, at 19, 19, 20, you're like, oh my God, I've been doing that my whole life. Like, I don't know any better than to just like be exactly who the world said I was supposed to be. And like, who would I be if I wasn't that person? Like, could I be a hero? Could I slay a dragon? Could I change the world? If I didn't listen to what the world had to say, I just like believed it myself. I'm like weeping. I'm like, oh my God, this is beautiful. And it was in that moment that I was like, she might've been onto something. Like the fact that we managed to tell that story and it is all of the camp and all of the silly and all of the ridiculousness, but also find the heart and the, and the joy and the like living of it all in it. I was like, this show has, I mean, it has changed my life in that moment. I was like, holy shit. Sorry. Wow. Who, like, how did that happen? Well, you know what's interesting is you immediately have a. I have so many questions for you, but you have immediately assumed that this is all her responsibility, and Lindsay Abair and Jason Moore, the director, began working on it in two thousand and two, two years before she was brought aboard. Oh wow! Now, what's your feeling? And I've seen, I've seen both. I've okay. seen the cartoon and I've seen the 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 pro shoot, which I I liked more than I thought I was going to like. But I what what was your take on um, the original cartoon? Oh, I thought the movie was fun. I don't think I had it. Like, it's clever. It's not my kind of humor. Um, in, I, in in what way? In that, like, this is going to sound so weird, and, and I will try to explain it as best as I can. But it felt like boy humor, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, I totally get that. Yep, it was, I get it's, it. Yeah, it was like, it's like fart jokes and like slapsticky. I mean, now as an you adult. You probably don't like South Park. I don't, no. Not, I can't say yeah. that I'm okay. like the hugest okay. fan. Yeah, I yeah. can recognize that it's good. Like, I can recognize that to someone right. that is high level. But to me, right. I'm like, eh, I don't need it. I would rather, right. I, you know. So, um, so I was like, this just feels, it, at a, as a child, I always thought, like, this feels, like, very cheap. Like, why are, like, why is that the joke when there are so many other jokes we could be making? Well, then you mm. watch it as an adult, and you're like, oh, the double entendre of it all is, right. like, so elevated and, like, yeah. listed. You're like, oh, God, I'm not supposed to get, like, at 12, right. I wasn't supposed to think that was funny. But at, right. you know, 28, I'm like, well, that obviously that's hilarious. Congratulations. Right. Like, you did it. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, like, that's, I mean, that's iconic. But, I, yeah, it was never, so the the movie was never one that I watched often. Um, okay, so now, you weren't connected to the source material particularly. No, by no okay, means. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, but it, even still, I was like, did we, you know, did we need a musical I mean, I think we do now, like in hind, like now at 28, I can absolutely argue that we needed that show and the, and what it's do, what it did for Broadway and how it, you know, was just like a, especially that season, there was like Next to Normal and West Side and Hair, which were like so dark and moody on, on stage at the time. And like, so yeah, we needed a, a light and airy show on Broadway, um, Yet a show that you found personal and social relevant. Exactly. That you, but you don't think, you're not, you don't think that when you buy the ticket, you're not like, oh, my heart's going to be like moved when I go see Shrek the musical. And then you leave and you're like, oh my God, my heart has been changed because I saw Shrek the musical. And that I kind of love about it. Mm. Um, Sometimes it is okay to go in thinking like, I'm just going to have a good time and it's going to be bouncy and fun. And you leave questioning and and like or like you leave with a different yeah. answer than you thought um so yeah i just it, it but it it being a broadway when it was was super important and what it's done for like the community theater high school yeah. theater kind of energy i i could not I'm not a teenage girl, so I couldn't tell you if this actually is how they feel. But I personally, if I got to be the girl who played Fiona, who is probably like already struggling with like, right. ish, like look issues, body issues. Am I pretty enough? Will I ever be pretty enough? Blah, blah, blah. You, mean like, you mean like in Euphoria? Yeah. Well, 
Ciao. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you have all of those questions. You're dealing with all of that. And then to get to step into a role like Fiona and mm. figure out like, oh, it's not that deep. And it's it's more than that. And I can choose to like, I can choose this version of myself because it makes me the happiest because I found my person. And they make like all of these things that like are super important. And or to be a, a guy in high school doing this show where you're like, I have to present this thing that the world has told me I'm supposed to be for right. so long. And getting to sing who, like who'd I be? It's like, oh, re- like it could be so, um, it's so relevant and so airy it's just i think it's Mm. what it has managed to do to the theater world is gonna is always gonna be super helpful you'll never not find people struggling with like who am i am i just what the world has made me out to be can i be more than that Mm. is that allowed right now so yeah that's beautiful um, it's so interesting to me that even with a favorite composer, you were resistant to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And I love Janita's story. I think what she's everything she's ever touched is brilliant. But I was like, this feels, it felt, and this is obviously, this is Kirk's opinion on it, but it felt like, oh, that's a cash grab. Like, she'll make a lot of money. It'll, it'll do well because it's a big name. And I was like, did we need that, though? Like, uh, you're an artist that I appreciate and I um, respect. And so it felt, it felt weird. I was like, this isn't like, you're an artist. How dare you put your name on this thing that is, <laughs> you know, campy and gross. Like I was just so caught off guard. Wow. I was, like very put off by that in theory. Wow. Um, there's so much in there to look at. Yeah. Right. Again, we're going to look at and here is my prayer. I mean, I, in general, I'm not a person that is drawn to camp. And yet, I mean, it's interesting when I when I hear you say, how dare you take on something? It's powerful, right? Yeah. Yeah. You go, wow, why? Why? And from Jeannie Tesori's point of view, I mean, I know she did well. Uh, uh, Thoroughly Modern Mill was, Millie was a big hit and eventually Fun Home. Mm-hmm. But what else has she had that's been making her any money? I mean, well, that's that's and what's, the question. And what's wrong with that? And you know, you 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 talk about the girl playing Fiona. What about all the kids who are getting to see that that would otherwise never go to see a musical? Mm-hmm. This show that I saw class act uh, last night at Jade Two Spotlight that was so terrific. Sadly, it was mostly older people in the audience and the actors' friends. And I think. I think there's, you know, greater audience. And we get that in high school. You'll go to see your friends. You'll go to see a Broadway show you wouldn't otherwise get to see. How amazing is yeah. all that? And, I mean, I don't know her at all. What if she did take it for the money? And that's totally valid. But and Totally. What is brilliant is that if that was the case, it didn't, she didn't attack it any differently than she would any of her other pieces. And that's what I love, right? You're like, yeah. oh, she still looked at it from like a thoughtful perspective. She really found the the like core of these characters, even if she even if she took it for the money, and that's totally valid. She still was willing to like do the digging and peel back the layers. Yeah. That's a joke about Trek, if you didn't catch it. Um, to peel back the layers and find like the onion that is really there. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we find that whenever the artist doesn't do that, the outcome isn't much. Exactly. And that's, I think, that what I was worried would happen, right? That's the yeah. risk. That's the risk it could could have been. It could have just been like slapsticky and kind of silly. Um, Children's the, theater, whatever yeah. we're going to put out that label on. Right. And, it, and there are moments that exist like that because you have to. But then you get to act one finale and you're like, holy... We yeah. just laughed for the last hour, and now I'm questioning everything before we go into right. intermission. Right. How exciting. Look at the prejudice that we have here in New York, even just towards things that are based on a, on a movie. And mm-hmm. look at all the great examples of things that were and turned out to be great art. And I will be the first to say, I see some of these things and I think, do we really need this? <laughs> Why is this? But- 
but but I'm already in somebody's head making some decision about how they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. That could be totally wrong. It's prejudice. Yeah, and uh, and I think there is a if we're going to talk about the prejudice and why we feel like why we feel detested by something originally is that somewhere we started believing as people are part of this community that if it's the New York theater community, yes, to be clear, to, yes. yes. <laughs> Is there's this idea that it if it's not highfalutin or like um, if it's not like dr- dramatic, then it's not good and it won't be worth your time. If you're not leaving and crying every day, like every, <laughs> if you're not broken to pieces, then it's not worth it. And that's not true. There is room for all of it. So, but when you see a title like Shrek. You're like, that's going to be dumb and silly and we don't need that. And in actuality, it served a purpose. And how exciting that we can find, you know, like not everything has to destroy you at your core. Sometimes you need it to be light enough that it hits you, hits you in a different part. So that maybe you well, still go away with, from, with a lesson. And, and the other thing is that I think we have to address is Shrek lends itself for the kind of spectacle that one really kind of needs to provide on Broadway if we're going to charge, you and I are going to charge, if they're going to charge <laughs> that much for a ticket. Yeah. You know. Exactly. That's, that's part of it. So if I, we want to get away from that, we have to have something else. Yeah, but sure. I would argue with a lot of these shows, shows, Shrek being one, that you can strip away the spectacle and easily, still- and that's why yeah. it works at a, at the high school level because most high right. schools don't have the budget to be like, let's put on a show. Like it's just like right. Spider Man, right. Spider Man for the spring music. <laughs> Could you imagine at a high school? Oh gosh! But that's the thing. Like you, you might can- learn something how to Maybe. how to how to fly people. I'd love that, but also I would be terrified if a high school student was flying me. And well, especially after the, <laughs> especially after the problems they had. But there also might be a way to fly people without that. I mean, yeah. it's it it also makes you kind of, um, yeah, yeah. But so that's my first one. All right, Carl. So what's your first show that you've done a one eighty on? So I'm I'm doing mine in chronological order. Oh. Because my first uh, <laughs> uh, 180 happened when I was 19 years old. How how, how old were you when you did did Shrek? When I was casting it, I was I think I was 19. Okay, right. Yeah. So then, so then you are mirroring in a completely different <laughs> ge- generation some of the same silliness that that I went through. Although, well, so this is outrageous and maybe I've told you this before, but I had my first professional conducting gig when I was 19 years old for an outdoor yeah, musical theater. That. And, uh, the, they had, the, the, the mentors had been pushing me towards that. And the, our, our, um, season conductor at the theater, the last show of the year was here's the 180 sound of music. And he had gotten a job as musical directing the national tour, I believe the first national tour of Annie, which was a big deal for him. This is the San Francisco Bay Area. The the theater itself is actually in Oakland. It's a beautiful outdoor amphitheater, seats 2000 in the Oakland Hills called Woodminster Amphitheater. And so I I had had some nice uh, conducting experiences um, for really pretty high level community theaters where I had an orchestra. Uh, so I, I had enough experience, although <laughs> it's its own thing, isn't it? When you're 19 conducting a pit full of musicians who are who at are least adults. twice your age. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, yeah, I know it doesn't even, I don't even seem like an adult. And then the next season after that, I conducted the entire season. I conducted all three shows. I was the musical director in charge. Yeah. But at the ripe young age of 19, I carried all of that sound of music baggage. When I say sound of music to you, have you ever seen the, the, the stage play? What, what, what comes up for you? Okay, so no, I've never seen the stage play. I've actually never seen the movie. That's like okay. kind of a... No, no, it's okay. It's like my... Well, it's one of those things where people, when people say like, say something that 
would shock people? Like, what's a secret that would shock people? Like, that I've never seen it. Because I, you know, I love musical theater. It's a part of my life, blah, blah, blah. And that just feels like one of those things that everyone has seen. And I've just, I've never done it. I will say this. <laughs> when I was, when it, when I was at an age, I guess, where people were watching it, no one looked like me. So why would I have been interested? Um, right. right. Sure. Exactly. And so I've I just mean, never, I've never really been invested. But now as an adult, I'm like, you should probably get around to that someday. Well... I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what it is. I totally get that. That's why it kind of surprises me that, well, that you think it's surprising that you wouldn't have seen that. If you told me as a kid who loved musical theater that you've never seen any version of The Wiz, say, and I don't mean to put a stereotype around that, but, but I mean, have you, which you have, yes? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And it's great fun. Yes. Right. For a certain era. And it captures something. Is it the height of, I mean, I'll even go so far as to say African-American musical theater. I can't make that decision. I think it's great fun. And the, the music's awesome. Yeah. And I would much rather see that than any other <laughs> with makes that may be wicked. I, I like wicked, yeah. but I mean, I'm tired of the, the old movie and all of, all of that. Um, so that seems more surprising because it's so foreign. It's so white yeah. and it's so, and so, so here's where my prejudice around this came. That movie, which I remember my parents taking me to when I was a child. So was I seven, eight, six, seven, eight, and we saw it on the big screen. And I'm sure I liked it. But it's, you know, it's very, I mean, obviously it's saccharine and, and sweet. But even the original production was called sac saccharine. I don't know that I would say that, that the, the, the stage version is saccharine, but it's sentimental. And it's family values and it's all of that. And the music, when you compare it to other things, it's kind of bland. Uh, some of it is kind of bland. I think it's bland on purpose. Now I see it as uh, Richard Rogers imitating Austrian Lendler's folk songs. So it has that. But for a young pianist who wants to play Sondheim, <laughs> playing two chords <laughs> and going um papa was boring and i thought yeah. the whole thing i'd made up my mind what it was so i played i played here's what's so interesting um three weeks of rehearsals all the chorus rehearsals all the stuff i played the piano for all of those shows and by the time and then and so then it, it ran two weekends so there was no piano in the orchestra which okay. is a good thing since i was going to conduct the second weekend right, right? <laughs> Um, so I had gotten them through that. And then I got a week off and I got to, to go away. And then I came back at the Sunday night performance before the next thing. But I, I knew all the actors. I knew the staging. I knew the whole thing. I'd seen it. I'd heard all the dialogue. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I came in on the Sunday night and I had a few days away, which helped. And I sat next to the conductor in the pit and I looked up on the stage. Oh, oh. I was so invested. It's so profoundly different than the movie. And the movie has people who have... People who love it, you know, and it and it is its thing and it is beautiful to look at. And Julie Andrews is spectacular. And Christopher Columbus, Christopher Columbus, Christopher <laughs> Plummer, <laughs> they got Christopher Columbus. He was still on one of those ships. They said, can you do this role? <laughs> uh, Christopher Plummer, who never wanted to be known as that that was the thing he was famous for because he was this great Shakespearean actor. I saw his one man show up when I was up in Stratford working and that's what people know him as people yes. know Raul Esparza as John Adams. Do I mean John Adams, the Adams family, right? And yeah. that's not yeah. how these people want to be no. remembered. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not, you know, their, their, their thing, but I sat there and the, the book and the way that book is constructed and the way that story is told and what's in there and the emotions, yes, it's sentimental. But what's wrong with sentiment? Well, I turned complete 180. Now, have I been to see it? No, because I think like for most of these in all these years, that's a few years, that's 40 years ago, <laughs> right? <laughs> Actually, I did watch the one on that the BBC did. Okay. That would be an interesting version for you to watch, watch. although we're okay. still very far away from the original. But the big lesson to me, besides my own prejudices, but I'm going to give my prejudices a break because those movies, poor Rogers and Hammerstein, they wrote one thing 
And then it got turned into a Hollywood movie, which granted the whole point is to reach a large audience. It costs so much to make these movies, millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, you'd be foolish to, to, to make something that wasn't going to have a universal appeal and they're experts at doing that, but it's given the world a really wrong impression of what these pieces are. So then you go back and you have the National Theater Carousel and you have Daniel Fish, Oklahoma, which have their place in the world, right? And there's much to be, much to be appreciated in those versions. But we're still so far away from the purity of watching these things get done with their original intent. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. So at what moment, do you have a specific moment when you're watching it that you went, Oh, I, oh, I might like this now. Oh, I might like this now. Well, I have an answer for that. I can't, I can't go back 40 years and tell you all I can, all I can do is tell you what it was like to sit there and watch it like a kid going, Oh, I misjudged. I misjudged. And I've carried that through my whole life, especially with things that I really don't like, really don't know. I try to say, Okay, you gotta go back. I almost didn't get to episode two of Euphoria, right? Because <laughs> it was too much. It was yep. just that was not because I didn't like it. It was just because um, do I really wanna wanna put myself through it? The difference between the beginning of the movie, which you've probably seen, talk about iconic. Yeah. The the thing's coming down and she's spinning. Well, in the play, first of all, it starts with the nuns. And they're singing their those gorgeous chants that Richard Rogers wrote. But then there's a verse, which is cut. My day in the hills has come to an end. I know. A star has come out to tell me it's time to go. Here's the magic. But deep in the dark green shadows, there are voices that urge me to stay. Oh, we have a conflict. So I pause and I wait and I listen for one more sound, for one more lovely thing that the hills might say. Now we have someone who has communed with nature and has a problem. What? That's gone in the movie. It's gorgeous thing and it's all of this because we don't want to start with the problem. Also, the woman who played the part, I don't know whatever happened to her. We were friends. I even lived with her in LA when I first moved <laughs> there for a while. Yeah. Um, but she was like a tomboy. That. Sorry? I said casual mic drop. Oh, I don't mean we lived together and made babies. I mean I, we shared, we shared an apartment. You think so? I didn't. That's not what I meant. I just meant like you're like casual. Like, oh yeah, I lived with her. We were friends, and no, I don't know. Well, I was her conductor. We had we'd done several shows together over yeah. the years. When I moved to Los Angeles, she was the person that I stayed with. She was she was extraordinary and actually closer in voice to. Julie Andrews than the okay. original Mary Martin for whom it, for whom the show had been had been written. It was written as a vehicle for her uh, by Rogers and Hammerstein. Uh, but she had that earthy tomboy quality and the passion. And I mean, that was my way in. And yeah. with that, which is gone in the movie, the movie is about that beautiful scenery and beautiful singing and passion and joy, but yeah. not a problem to solve. Yeah. The world, my body is telling me something and I don't know what it is, which is what one of the many themes so beautifully articulated in that musical. Yeah. 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 That is, I mean, it's just so crazy to me that like a show, like I know that Sound of Music has like some important opinions. I think it's really hard for me to voice anything about it because I know I really Carl if if I I wish I could tell you that I knew more than like how do you solve a problem like Maria and like the hills are alive and that's about it. No you've heard Ariana Grande sing about her favorite things. Okay here's all the tea. Here's all the tea. (laughs) I think I assumed that so here's so funny story about this movie about about Sound of Music the musical. Here's the tea. Here's the tea. So there's a movie called The Pacifier that stars Vin Diesel. <laughs> now, I am not saying it's the greatest film on the planet, but it doesn't matter. I loved it. It's like a kid. It's about Vin Diesel. He's like this CIA agent, and he has to protect this family because the dad has created some chip that's like super important and like 
the Japanese are trying to t- like take it. And so they have to put the dad and the mom in hiding in order to like protect them. But subsequently though, they hire Vin D Di- or like the FBI sends Vin Diesel to the house to now become like the babysitter and like watcher of the kids, the pacifier. So Vin Diesel does all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. We, we learn he's like, he becomes obviously their friend. Yada, yada, yada. Well, the boy is like very dark and broody. Like he's like aggressive and they like don't know what's wrong with him. And he's super quiet and super, um, he's like, like very reserved. Well, the, the principal finds in the kid's locker, like a, like a, like a Nazi, like armband. And they're like, are you like, they like jump to this conclusion, like, oh, that he's some part of some like neck, like Nazi thing, regime, yada, yada, yada. Lo and behold, he's just in the spring musical, which happens to be Sound of Music. And so I kind of knew in theory that it was about that Nazis had something to do with it, but I couldn't tell you more than that. I just know that they exist in the plot, in the plot somewhere, and they run away from them, right? Like they hide, hide. I don't know. Well, <laughs> they walk over the Alps at the end. Oh, <laughs> okay. To escape them, but meanwhile, there's all of these other characters who are Nazi th- Nazi sympathizers. I can say oh. nothing to the original production. Right. I was alive maybe while it was still running on Broadway, but not at any age. And I don't. Oh, I did see it. It came through San Francisco with Sally Ann Howes. All I can tell you is that my mentor who directed it, who was in the original Brigadoon and Music Man and Most Happy Felon, he with Bobby Lewis, the original Brigadoon, where you don't want um applause at the end of songs because you want a mood and you want to keep on telling the story. Right. Right. Uh, There was no fooling around. There was no, you know, there was no jokes about the Nazis. I don't think the original had jokes about the Nazis, but I sometimes wonder whether as we look back on older acting styles, particularly once you leave the principles, although it was Theodore Bekel who played the original Captain Von Trapp, who is Jewish, um, I, I can't imagine with him helming a cast that there was anything that wasn't handled about it, but it's very hard to get a musical theater person of that era to convincingly yeah. play a Nazi. Well, we had that. <laughs> you were scared of this guy. You didn't oh. want to talk to this guy backstage. He's wow. the nicest man in the world, but that's who, he, that's the kind of person that he was. Interesting. And you were scared. And yeah. you'd be scared because it's horrible. horrible. And what is it doing in a musical with little kids? But that's what they created. But that was like and, if that was like Rogers and Hammerstein's kind of MO for I mean, I would argue that all of their shows yeah. have this yes. very political, politically yep. driven concept. And they get I think we have they can sometimes lose they're, the way they have been directed, which we've talked about this, we yep. started talking about yep. this earlier. The way that they can be directed, it's like, oh no, it's just fun and whimsical and it's, magic. It's, and it's listen, him. the music is so pretty, and like we're not going to really talk about any of the issues that are existing. So, right. no, yeah, now, they, you know that they have sing-alongs. I think they mostly happen in England, where they get together, kind of like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. But but the Brits see it, at least this is my understanding, there was a long New Yorker article about it, as camp. You know, kind of a long, I'm trying to think of, well, you don't, probably don't know what The Boyfriend is. But it's I a, know of it. it. I know, it's a, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of very, um, very good humoredly poking fun at British musicals of the, of the twenties. It's not meant to be mean. It's nothing put down. The music's great, you know, but it's campy and fun. And I think that's how they, any more than Rocky Horror Picture Show is a serious discussion about what it means to be non-binary or transgender, or it's not, that's not what that is. We will never make it that right. It shouldn't be that. Um, And if you don't, you're squeamish as if I can be a little bit with stuff like that. You don't have to take that in. Right. You don't, it's a choice. You don't have to watch that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But that is, I mean, I, one of these days I will watch sound of music and then I will report back and give you a real opinion. Watch the British one because while it's far from perfect, I think it will give you a greater sense of 
well, you'll get to hear the whole score because they cut a lot of the score in the in the in the, in the movie. movie. They they did add two songs because Hammerstein died uh, before uh, he might have gotten to see some previews or maybe an out of town tryout. But he he died before oh. um, Sound of Music, and maybe he saw Opening Night, but not a whole lot after. Yeah, um, I forget the exact exact details. Um, but Rogers in wrote the lyrics for two the for for two songs that got inserted into the movie. One of which is also in Song of Mormon, or at least a pastiche version of the, the "I Have Confidence." Yes, that's all Richard Rogers, and it's a great song, and it's on the list of great "I Want" songs, oh. which was not in the original. Um, although you could argue that the sound of music is an "I Want" song. Uh, and then yeah. another song of his that's lovely called Something Good, which I actually prefer to the one um, that's in the stage uh, version, which is called An Ordinary Couple. But that's just personal okay. taste. I mean, they, they both work. And, but that would be a fun version to find. And it's pretty faithful. And the other characters who are the Nazi sympathizers have great material. And the original people were were, were, were well known. And it's those I love those songs. And they're completely gone. Oh, in the movie. Great. So, All right. Well, well as a, find, a lot of movies. Yeah. What you have to decide what makes sense and what doesn't. So that that's fair. That's fair. You have to decide like what's going to read the best on a screen. So, but I will have to look for it. That is going to be, and, I've got And there's the Carrie Underwood version, which I've never seen. I should probably watch that. That would be a good. You're what? joking, right? Isn't there? There is, but you're joking. Well, you I how you heard how bad it is. I don't listen to that. I'm going to watch it and wake, make up my own mind. All right. It you may it very here. well be horrible, but. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. Carl is going to go watch that for for himself. Well, I that was the, I was like, I was super, super game to watch the live version af, like after it had aired. And everyone was like, don't waste your time. And I was like, oh. But it's like chock full with like, Audrey McDonald is um, uh, mother, mother something. Wasn't Mother Abbas? Is that right? I will make it that far just to see that. Yeah, Audrey, it's Audrey McDonald's in it. Laura Benanti's in it. Uh, oh, Christian oh, Borrell. She's the Countess. Yeah, Christian, Christian Borrell's oh in it. I will yeah. watch it to see that. But Can I tell you, my, my husband will pick movies for us to watch. And I'll look and it'll have, for the, the meta score, two, three. Sometimes we love those movies. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm not I, gonna let anybody decide for me. Good for you, Carl. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm proud of you. You do that. Oh, I'm not gonna well, watch that. We're gonna get to that on my last, on my final pick. But before we run out of time, let's do your oh, last. Let me do my. Okay, we'll do yeah, uh, my third, my second one. My second uh, and the last one of this episode is kind of current, and I honestly. It's a similar. I had a similar opinion about this one that I did with um, Shrek. Shrek. So in, so I don't even know good. how to start it. No, I so yes, because now I'm obsessed, and I'm like hate that I ever was a person who was like who would be like that's dumb. Why would that exist? I feel so bad. And now, and I know friends on it. I have friends in it now, and it's like a whole thing. It like changes your entire view when you find when you are a working actor in the city and like how often you like meet people and blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. This is like the fifth episode of euphoria. Second season. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> it's Beetlejuice, the musical, oh. which like I, so now I, I guess it's easier to talk about how I feel about it now. I, in a world where there are, there seem to be a lot of, uh, creating, musicals based off of already known entities or already known um, projects. Right. Beetlejuice se just seems like another one in the cog, like in the, in right. the cog in the wheel. It just was like another thing that was, that was going to be another, that has already existed and we're going to make a musical of it. Well, and I know the movie well enough. I'm not like a huge super fan, but I know it well enough that I was like, I don't know, man, do we need these people to singing? Cause my thought, if we're going to make a movie into a musical, do the characters naturally sing? Are they like mm. heightened enough from the mm. from their creation and their incarnation that they will innately want to sing a song 
ever. Um, the prime example is like the way, like Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, I think is a character who would in fact break out into song in the real world. Like that's a, nor- like in her world of that movie, that makes sense. So it translating to a Broadway musical made total sense to me. Yes, but in the wrong hands, that oh, could have been the quintessential train wreck. Yes, I agree. Yeah. But As so I was like, yes. So, but my thought was like, do we need this weird, like darker, spoofy music, like movie turned into a musical? And I will tell you emphatically, yes. <laughs> we need more of that all of the time in all in every way possible. I want it to be every version of it I needed in my life. <laughs> because it is <laughs> it doesn't take it's a musical that does not take itself too seriously. There are no like it knows exactly what it's doing. It knows the fun it's poking. It knows when it needs to be honest. But it but it mainly is a hyper aware that this doesn't necessarily make sense as a musical. And everyone, when I saw it on Broadway, every person on that stage was selling it. They were like, mm-hmm. we know that you walked in and you thought it was going to be one thing. And we yep. got you because it's significantly yep. better than that. And you're, shame on I- you. For thinking it was going to be something else. Good for them. I, it, oh my God. The way they are all bought in. I was like so. Uh, so I went. That was the year. That was what? 2019. And that. No. No. Maybe. Sounds right. 2019. And give Mr. Timbers a big shout out for that? Yes. Because oh. I, that, I mean the writing is excellent. But I think what you're talking to, I think we can put that at- absolutely on Alex Timbers for sure. But so the so that was the year that I was I was on a layoff from tour three for three weeks. One of those weeks being the week of the Tonys. So I was like, I'm gonna see, and I had money at that point. I was like, I'm making tour money. I can go see Broadway shows. It's gonna be great. So I saw every musical that was nominated for best musical best revival and i saw every woman who was going to be who was in the category of best lead actress in a musical so i'm like very ready to i you know i saw oklahoma and i saw oh, uh, right. and kate and all like that's that season right. i'm very yes. ready we so i go to beetlejuice uh, my uh now fiance and i get win the lottery one of us win the lottery and we're like great i guess we're gonna go see this today I get to the theater. It's already weird. Like there's sound, like there's like decal spinning. It's very dark and moody. <laughs> yeah. It's the green and purple is like living like through and through all of the everywhere. Also, it's at the Winter Garden, with the, which the Winter Garden is giant. Yeah. So I was like, I'm like, so I sit down in my seat. I'm like, I don't know, man. This I feel like this is gonna be really bad. Like I just had a feeling in my core. I was like, this cannot be good. This cannot be a good musical. Because like, we've what, seen a lot of bad ones yeah. with the same kind of prep. Yep. And so I was like, this doesn't, I just have a, I, I fear. So I sit down. The first song starts, uh, which is the whole being dead thing. And I was like, huh, that's kind of catchy. And such a drastic difference from how the movie starts. Surprise. Yeah. A surprise from a, what you're expecting. Like a pleasant surprise. Like it's so, yep. it was like, oh, okay, cool. And then... And also you have to, we have to praise Alex Brightman because he understand, he understood the character in a way that I was like, oh, oh, you're like, you've like studied this, how to make this character work on stage. And I honestly, good for you. Cause I don't know if many people could have done that, but magically he's spun it in a way that I was like, oh, I'm rooting for you. That doesn't make any sense. I'm not supposed to, Uh, but he's brilliant, right? So he's singing, he's going off. He starts, there are moments when he like would call people out in the audience and he's like making fun of the show itself. And I was like, oh, they are aware that this is camp on a stick and we want more. Then we get to Lydia, the girl, like the main girl. Right. And she opens her mouth and I am transcendent because while the girl, 
the vocals are insane. I'm like, how do you do it? Like, what are, like what's happening? It's so it was like rock and grungy, but still had all of that like musical theater quality that I love to see in a in a musical. It like, makes know, it theatrical. Yes, it was like warm, yeah. and she was so committed, yeah. and I totally believed her. And so we get so we're watching the show, and we get halfway. Th- we get about halfway through the first act, and my, my fiance looks over at me and goes, "You're enjoying this." And I look back and said, yes. And I don't know how I feel about it. Why is this oh show good? Lo and behold, we get through the show. I'm like, by the end of it, like she sings that final, like 11 o'clock number that it's called home. Mm. I'm pretty sure. And yep, I'm like emotionally moved. She like, yep. also though, this girl is like a child. She's like 17, 18 at most. She's so committed, so invested. Alex Brightman the entire time is living his best life. And I'm like, and like, uh, don't get, and you know, um, oh, oh, uh, what's her name from Hairspray? She was Penny. Yeah. Kelly, Kelly, keep, mm -mm, don't give me the line. Oh, I'm going to kick myself when you tell me her actual name. Okay. Um, Keep going. um, But she, I mean, her, Rob McClure, just no. Like, I didn't get to see him. Oh God, he was so you good. Obviously, won't get to see him when I go back. No, yeah. Um, and Leslie Kritzer, like there was not a bad That's person. The thing I was of. Yeah, no, it's not her. It's oh God, she was in Mean Girls too. Carrie Butler. Carrie Butler, I knew it. Um, she, I, but everyone yeah. just yeah. were no, so committed and invested and in all had like all was aware. I had a director once say to me. Um, this show has to live at a 10 so that when you start singing, you go to a 15. But if the stakes are not always at a 10, mm. it makes no sense for you to sing. So we have to be willing to, to like stay there. Yeah. And that, this, that company, every person on that stage was at a solid 12. And so when we went into a song, we were at a 20 and it was, so important and so valid and like again another time that you think like did do we need this on broadway and in actuality like yes we needed the light and airiness of that show because there is like there is space for theater to not just be dark and moody there is space for it to be outrageous and silly and i say that it you know it makes just as much of an impact as the dark and edgy and moody things as i mean you know what i mean like it makes just as much of an impact as that as those types of shows and so i just yeah i i i left like singing the songs and mm. like i like the the composer is a guy from england who had done the music for king kong and people were not sure if it was going to be great and I, I just to this day oh to this day I list, I can go back to that cast album and it like moves me it makes me so happy I have mm. such a fun time listening to it it's just a blast it's a blast and a half and I'm so glad it's coming back to Broadway um yeah. and it's going to be recorded go. yeah and it's going to be recorded and it's going to be able to live on forever oh, and great. yeah oh my god we need so much more of that I just want to say two things before we wrap up this episode one the BMI workshop member, I don't believe in any of that. You know, you know my yeah. problem with it. But I have to say that the, the the thing that blew me away was I wasn't on board with that first song. I liked it and I liked her, but I had my idea in my head and I'd been playing, I'd been coaching the the music. So my my mind was open. I wasn't I didn't go to hate it. Yeah. I didn't know what I was gonna get. But I was confused by that first number until it paid off in the middle of the second act. And I sat back and I went, Timbers, you're a genius. Because that, did you see Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson? No, I hadn't lived in the city yet. Brilliant, way over most people's heads. And so he took something that was much less complicated and um, edgy Mm -hmm. and made it palatable. But as you say, he grounded it. 
Yes. So that there was, an, and that's what the musicals do. Even if they go back and they take the Heathers and the Mean Girls and these things that are primarily camp, they give them a weight that gets somebody like me on board. Yep. Who's kind of against the, there's a definition of camp that says it's the opposite of feeling. And yeah. I kind of feel that way, right? We're exaggerating something for whatever the point is. Is it comic? Is it is it um, political, social? But I want to feel and so that music gives the other the it other like component. weighs it down yeah absolutely and it again what i want to point out i mean you did this twice in what you just said you you had this moment of guilt looking at your your fiance going i don't know if i feel okay liking this and where do where is that coming from oh i don't gosh. mean in you but yeah. i mean that is so embedded in our culture particularly in the united states and we're going to judge you if you like something that we have decided is not, not worth it is that yes yes let's wake up and respect <laughs> i think that's the way to end this first episode <laughs> yes that is i mean i think we can absolutely say Things, if you did a 180 on it, it's probably because you were judging it and you were judging yourself before you got there. And what if you just didn't do that anymore? Or what? Or not even or. And what are the what are the prejudices you can uncover that will open more things available to yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, this has been another episode of Fill Me In. I'm Kirk. I'm Carl. Um. And we'll see you next time. Shout out to Musical Theater Radio. Thank yes. you for joining us. Woo. Thanks for listening to the pod. We want you to fill us in. We want to use this podcast as a conversation starter to learn what you think about the different topics that we take on. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Fill Me In The Pod. That's Fill Me In The Pod. Woo. And we want to give a shout out to our artist Sloan, who made the beautiful design of Kirk and my face. <laughs> and our podcast was edited by Nicholas Clark. Nicholas Clark. Till next time. Bye.